Uh, good morning. All right, that's a good one. It's so good to be here. Uh, I'm, I'm privileged to be here um, for, thank you, for a couple of reasons. And, and one is that I pray for you. And, and also, uh, Bruno has become a really close friend of mine. I met Bruno probably about 10 years ago, something like that. And so I've been in kind of like a, a mentor relationship with him, you know, trying to encourage him uh, in his walk with Christ. And, and also coming here for a Super Bowl uh, outreach, that's been cool. And actually, my wife spoke at the women's luncheon, right? And, and I, I heard that she, she's a big deal. <laughs> and, and so this is my wife, Lisa, and our youngest daughter, Jamie, who's sitting behind her. So I'm glad, glad that they are here with us. And uh, it's an honor, 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 honor to be here, to encourage you and to hopefully speak life into you and that God may continue to do his awesome work that he's begun in you. Amen? Amen. Uh, uh, I am a pastor of Commitment Church. We actually have two campuses now, one in Lindenwall, New Jersey. Not Linden, but Lindenwall, which is closer to Voorhees, Cherry Hill, Berlin. And then we, we now have a campus in Wilmington, Delaware. So it's pretty cool. And our church is very multi-ethnic, multi-culture, which is pretty cool. And, and that's been our vision from the very beginning. Uh, so it's, it's an honor to uh, to be able to uh, lead a group of people like that, uh, that we can experience a little bit of heaven on earth and have some good food, you know, because we get all kinds of people together. Food is like really good. Get, get, let me digress. So we had a, I had a wedding and it was uh, a uh, Asian Indian wedding, right? With, uh, a, with a Puerto Rican. So can you imagine a buffet? <laughs> And it was a traditional wedding that I had to learn all the traditional culture to do. And it was pretty cool. And I had no rehearsal, just watched YouTube videos and learned how to do it. And, and so it was a pretty cool experience that God gave. And that, so that's the, to me, that's the beauty of the body of Christ, that, that uh, we don't do it all the same, but yet we serve the same God. And, and that's spe real special. So can we pray? Father, thank you so much for the awesome opportunity to be here in your presence. Thank you so much for uh, the work you have begun here at Bethlehem Church and the work that you're going to finish. Spirit of God, I pray you'll come. Please come and, and have your way. Please speak to us. Please help me say only what you have assigned for this day. I pray to remove distractions in my heart, the distractions in your people's hearts so that we may hear and know that you have been with us. God, we, we need to expect and anticipate change whenever we enter your presence. So Father, I pray now that you would accomplish this through the power of your Holy Spirit and the authority of your word. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. So listen, I must confess to you that I've started many, many projects in life and, and I've failed to finish many of those projects. And from projects from home improvement projects to personal projects, it seems like some way, somehow, I overlook those things that are hidden and also those things that are obviously uh, needed to be done. In other words, I, I've missed many times counting the cost that was necessary to maybe finish that lawn project or to finish that home improvement project. Uh, Many things I've started, many things I struggle to finish, 
because I missed the hidden cost. Can I ask you that same question today? Is that, are you in the midst of a project that maybe you, you have not really count the cost as it, as, as it relates to what it takes to finish this project? In life, we begin life not many times knowing exactly where it's going to end. And because we're not sure where it's going to end and even where it's leading, many times we struggle with understanding the hidden cost or the obvious cost that it takes to finish life strong. A challenge as followers of Jesus Christ is this, is that God has given us only but one life, only but one calling, and we must finish it strong and finish it well. Uh, my question to you today is this, is that are you willing as a follower of Jesus Christ uh, to, to ultimately count the cost that it takes to finish well? Many people enter the race, many people start the race, but not everybody finish the race well. And I think that's the challenge we face as believers in Jesus Christ, especially in this, this contemporary and this life that we live, right, is that there's so many obstacles, there's so many things that are pulling on us from family to social uh, interactions to employment and career patterns and, you know, retirement and et cetera, et cetera, pulling on us in many different vantage points. But the scriptures are very, very clear is that once you start something in Christ, you must finish it, but not just finish it, you must finish it well. The question we must begin to ask and start to ask is this, is what is finishing according to the scriptures? What is finishing? There's a key word that, that describes this, and that is the word finish that Jesus talks about, and there's a word finish that Paul also talks about, which means this, to complete or to bring to a destined or an intended goal. So in other words, as I matriculate through life, at the end of my life, can I say that I have completed in which, that in which God has assigned for me? Have I reached that intended goal that has been meant for you specifically, not, not for the person sitting next to you or front of you or behind you, but have you, no matter what age you are, no matter your race, or culture, or socioeconomic class, have you finished completely that thing, that work, that God has assigned specifically for you. In other words, when you stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, before the beam of seat of Christ, and every thought that you have, every word that you spoke, every deed that you have, uh, have made, will they be judged appropriately before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? And you can look him in the eyes and say, I know without a shadow of a doubt, I've completed the work that has been assigned for me. Today, you may be someone who is on the, on the last leg of life. Can you say today that you have finished well? Maybe you're on the front end of life. Can you stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and say that you have what? Finished well. There's some of us who are closer there than you are here. Can we all collectively say what? That I have finished well. I finished exactly what God has assigned for me, me, not my wife, not my children, not my children's children, not the pastor, not the parishioners, right? But at the end of the day, have I completed the work that God has assigned for me? So what is finishing well? Two descriptions. One, I'm sure many of you are, are very well of, aware of, and is found in John chapter 19, verse 30, right? Jesus said this, it is finished. Right? It is finished. Probably one of the shortest verses that is ever known to man, right? 
shortest statement ever known to man, but one of the most crucial statements known to man is that Jesus Christ says, it is finished. In other words, the work or the way for the gospel is finished. Not that he was defeated, but the way for the gospel of Jesus Christ, that every man, woman, child, past, present, future, can come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and intimate Savior. He has made a way for everyone known to mankind to have the opportunity to be with him perpetually in heaven, right, where he is seated at the right hand of the Father. He has finished the way for each one of us. But then there's another uh, finishing term that is used in the scriptures that the Apostle Paul uses, but some of us are probably more familiar with what he talks about uh, to Timothy in, in 2 Timothy, the latter part of 2 Timothy. But there's one nestled within Acts chapter 20, verses 24 through 27, when he was, if you were given his farewell address, he says this, but I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus Christ to testify solemnly, listen, to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I, it says, know that, that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom would no longer see my face. So in other words, he was exiting stage right. That you would no longer see my face, but listen to what he goes on to say. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I did not shrink back from declaring to you the whole purposes of God. So here you have, you have Jesus who simply did what? He made the way for the gospel. You know what our responsibility is? It's like Paul here, that our lives at the end of the day must exemplify, communicate, display the work of the gospel. In other words, when people see how you conduct yourself as a, a man or a woman or a mother or a father or a businessman or a businesswoman, if you are a, per, a personal follower of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior, your responsibility, my responsibility is to work out your salvation with fear and trembling so that others may be able to hear the gospel, see the gospel, smell the gospel in every area of your life. Jesus provided the way and said it was finished. Our responsibility is to say, you know what? Everything I have done on the face of this earth, seen or unseen, before man, behind closed doors, right? That everything that I have done, every fiber of my being, every thought, every attention was tethered to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And everybody around me knows that well. Can your fellow co-workers say that about you? That I see the gospel in everything that you do. Can your wife say that about you guys? Can your husband say that about you wives? Can our children say that about us? That everything that I see in dad and mom communicates the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you know if you're finishing well today? It's the big question. Do you know 
without a shadow of a doubt that you're finishing well. There's about four clear descriptions that can answer this question in all of our minds. If you could turn with me to our, our primary text, which is in Luke chapter 14. Real quick, I'll give you these four. Luke chapter 14, verse 25 through 33. Here's the context. The context is this. Jesus just finished two major parables. The first was uh, the honorable seat. In other words, don't sit in a place that you have not been asked to sit, right? In other words, let someone invite you to that place. Lest you sit in that seat and someone says, you're sitting in the wrong seat and you got to relocate. You ever been there that, you know, you sit up in the front or you sit at a, a particular table and it's reserved for someone else, right? So there's a specific spot that is reserved, okay? That's what Jesus is really narrowing it down. Is at the end of the day, there's a spirit of humility that should be in the lives of every believer that he's the one who promotes. He is the one that, that, uh, that allows you to sit at that seat of influence or prominence. But then he shifted to another parable is that, he says, okay, there's this dinner that is prepared for everybody. But what happened was there was three types of people who simply says, well, you know what? I'm too busy to do this. I'm too busy to sit with the king or sit with the master and sit at his table. Well, you know, I just bought a piece of land and I got to be able to, to sell, you know, manage that land that I just purchased. Even the example Jesus gave is that I just got married. You know, I just got married. You know, I'm on honeymoon, right? You know, me and my wife, we have to bond first, right? Before I come to the dinner table. There's things that I got to do, Jesus, before I get to it. You ever said that? Then Jesus transitions and he begins to gather this large crowd. And you know what he begins to do? Vet them out. All these large crowds that were gathering around him, he starts to vet them out. And then that's what it transitions into Luke chapter 14, verses 25. And we're going to be from 25 to 33. The first, we find this in 25 to 26. It says, now large crowds are going along with him. And he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Pretty harsh, but pretty, pretty clear. So the first answer to the question is, how do you know, are you finishing well? Is Jesus your priority? You see, this word hate means this, to love less. Doesn't mean that you, should, you don't like them or you don't want to be around them or you're to demean them, debase them or anything like that. But here's the challenge always in life. Do I love my children more than Jesus? Do I love my wife more than Jesus? Do I love my life more than Jesus? Do I love my husband more than Jesus? Do I love my job more than Jesus? Do I love, listen, do I love my future more than Jesus? Do I love my past more than Jesus? Do I love anything at all more than Jesus? Let me say it to you this way. 
Your love for Jesus, and the scriptures support this, and Jesus supports this in other places, your love for Jesus will start to make other people uncomfortable and even sometimes make them think distortedly that you don't love them. You ever been there? But really what Jesus is saying is this, after you have first loved me, then you have the capacity to love everybody else. As a husband, I cannot love my wife as Christ loved the church and give his very life for her until I fall in love with Jesus. Because I will love her, I will love her conditionally. I cannot love my children and raise them in a fear and admonition of the Lord until I first fall intimately in love with Jesus. Because you know why? My children are going to tick me off. That never happened to you, right? Right? I cannot appropriately and with well-balanced love my job and love what I do career-wise, right? Unless I first do what? Love Jesus. Because my job will take control of me and consume me, listen, and even cause me to lose my wife, my children, and my life. Jesus must become your priority. Love less. Love less other things. Love him more. Colossians chapter 1 verse 18 says it this way. He, Christ, is also the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Why? So that he himself will come to have first place, it says, in everything. Jesus didn't die and say it was finished so something else can become more important than him. How do you know if you're finishing well? Verse 27, Luke chapter 14. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Your priority is Christ. And secondly, you are proclaiming Christ. That first part of verse 27 says this, does not carry your cross. You know what that says? That every place you go, you are identified with Christ. It's not a mere cross on your neck. Historically, the cross right, was a place was used to execute and to, if you would, terminate and kill and destroy, right? So think about this. If I'm not willing to carry this cross to the point of my execution, uh, the old Cedric will always live. And it will communicate and permeate in everything that I do and say that Cedric is still important. It's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about me. But our responsibility are to be men and women who carry that cross to the point of execution and nail it to the cross. Nail it to the cross. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 5 through 10 says it this way. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, light should shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have in this treasure an earthly vessel, so that the surpassing greatness of power 
uh, will be of God and not of ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always caring about in the body the dying of Jesus. Why? It says, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our bodies. The only way that Jesus Christ can be seen is I must die. Through your cross, the light of Christ is seen and heard in every area of your life. Verse 27 also gives us our third answer to the question of how do we know if we're finishing well? Not only are you proclaiming Christ, but your pursuit is Christ, right? Does not carry his own cross, but do what? Come after me. You cannot be my disciple. So it's not merely just taking a cross, dying, but it's dying so that you can what? You can live, right? First Peter chapter 1, verse 13 through 17 says it this way. It describes our pursuit. It says, therefore, prepare your minds for actions. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace, grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which are yours in your ignorance, it says, but like the Holy One who, who called you, be holy yourself also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. If you address as Father the one who is impartially judging according to the one's work, conduct yourself in the fear during the time you stay on this earth. So many times we, feel pe- we fear people more than we fear the Holy One. Listen, guys, we're shaking our boots because we got to talk to our wife about something. Well, I got to talk to my husband about going to church. I got to talk to my, my husband about praying. And, and we I can't talk to him. I don't know. I got to talk to my children about maybe making adjustments in how holiness is displayed in my home. Or maybe it's your grandchildren. Well, I don't want to overstep my bounds. I don't want to tell them about my... No, no, no. The, there should be this holy reverential fear that simply says, at the end of the day, this how is how I'm going to live my life. If you like me or not. So many times we try to hold on to the love of others more than we love, hold on to the love of the one who helps us love others. First Peter goes on in, in chapter 4, verse 1 and 2 and says, Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh. Remember, we talked about that. Christ, the pathway. It says, arm yourself also with the same purpose because of who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for the lust of men but for the will of God. Ephesians talks about, listen, he says, Make the most of your time on this earth. Makes the most of the time on this earth for the days in which we live are what? Evil. I'm sure we can agree that the days in which we live are evil, right? 
But will we agree that we got to make the most of our time on this earth? Always like to affectionately say we all have a dash account. You know what the dash account is? The day in which you were born and the day in which you were die. You go to every grave and every cemetery, you see a dash. What's happening between your dash? Do you know if you're finishing well? Is Christ your priority? Are you proclaiming Christ? Is your pursuit Christ? And lastly, verse 33, if you skip there, it says, so then none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his possessions. Are your possessions Christ? We can get really deceived here because most of us go out every single day and we earn it. Someone has most likely earned everything that's in your bank account, right? But it's not ours. Psalm 24, verse 1 says this, The earth is the Lord's and all it contains. The world, and it says, and those who dwell in it. By show of hands, who, dwell, who dwells in the world? Do you, do you dwell, right? <laughs> he owns you. He owns us. Prior to the finished work of Jesus Christ, God is the creator of all mankind. You create something, you are the owner of that something. He owns you and me. Right? Uh, the scriptures also say this, where your treasures are, what? That's ownership. Right? Jesus says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind. That's everything that makes you, are, makes you who you are today. Love him with that. So I challenge you to become people. Yeah, yes, we need possessions to live on this earth. Yes, it, it is wise to leave an inheritance for your children's children. But guess what? No one owns it. Can I ask you a question? When you die, can you take it with you? Right? Someone said, you've never seen a U-Haul truck attached to a what? A hearse. Right? Because you can't take it with you. Which, which symbolic of, it's not mine. I'm just, I'm just, I just have temporary usage of it. Right? So we must become people who understand nothing belongs to me, not even my life. The air that I breathe doesn't even belong to me. And when we understand this, we now begin to realize, how do I use this air? How do I use my mind? How do I use my skill sets? How do I use the provisions? How do I use this ultimately to advance the kingdom of God? Because it's not about me. It's not about me. Do you know if you're finishing well, where's your priorities? What are you proclaiming? When people see you throughout life, what do they hear coming from your life? What do they see from your life? What are you in pursuit of? 
What's keeping you up at night? Is it Jesus or the thoughts of something else? But how do you count the cost? Hebrews chapter 12. Verses 1 through 3 describes it this way. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Here's the cost. Verse 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat at the right hand of the, uh, the throne of God. Most of the time, I've seen in my own personal life and the life of others over the years of walking with Christ, is that where we begin to misstep is when we begin to lose focus. Right, right, moms, when the children are born, your focus, even to the point of losing focus on your marriage. Right, guys, when you get that, nail that job that you've been, right, gain the whole world, lose your soul. Right, move into that, that hot dream house. Before you know it, shoo, all your energy, your time, your pursuit, your resources goes to where? Shoo, that house. You can start getting older and you start thinking about retirement, right? Oh, start panic starts hitting in. Oh, 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 oh. and you're getting older. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to you know, have the resources. Then before you know it, you start thinking so far out. How can you even add a cubit to your statue? by worrying about tomorrow. Lose focus. It's like my track coach. He, he used to tell us, ask me no questions, tell me, I'll tell you no lie. In other words, we would always try to say, hey, okay, coach, can you tell us the workout? What, what's the ro- workout for today during training, you know, before track meets? Can you tell me, can you tell me, can you tell me? And he's like, no, 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 I'm not going to tell you because, you know, once I start telling you, then you're going to lose focus. And I believe sometimes that's why God doesn't tell us certain things. Because the focus will become something other than whom? Jesus. The coach also used to tell us in the midst of a run, he says, keep your eyes towards the finish line. Keep your eyes towards the finish line. Yes, you're going to hear your opponent's, your opponent's feet. Those guys you're running against, you're going to hear their feet. And the tendency is to do what? Look. And be right when you turn to look, guess what happens? They pass right by you. But some of you who are athletes, you understand that when you start looking, the way you, 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 you turn, eventually your body begins to turn, even to the point that you will start running out of your lane. So many Christians do that today. The word fixing here in Hebrews, it says, it means 
turning eyes away and fixing them on something, right? Turning my eyes away from the things of this world, which eventually grow dim, and let me turn my eyes on something or someone, which is whom? Christ. It also means a mindset. Colossians 1 talks about this. Set your mind on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of the Father. Not on the things of this world, but things above. You see, when at the end of the day, fixing our eyes on Jesus is seeing what it cost him. And now it doesn't cost me. Seeing that it cost him everything helps me say, okay, you know what? When it's time to prioritize Jesus, don't ask me twice. Seeing what it costs Jesus, right, says to me, when it's time to proclaim Christ with my life or with my mouth, don't ask me twice. Seeing what it costs Jesus ultimately says to me that, you know what, there is nothing on this earth that I will, not be, uh, that I will be in pursuit of other than the person of Jesus Christ. Seeing what it costs Jesus ultimately says to you and I that, you know what, everything I own, everything I own doesn't belong to me. And matter of fact, I realize that I'm closer there with you than I am here. So really, this stuff that I have on this earth, guess what, it really doesn't matter to me because it doesn't have a grip on my heart. Church, do you really see what it cost Jesus? We sing about it, right? We pray it. We celebrate it once a year. But what about the other 364 days out of the year? What about when we have to make those tough decisions? What about when we have to sit down and talk to family members? What about when we just let loved ones and friends just go on and on and on in sin, and yet we know we have the answer deep down inside? Do you understand what it cost him? Understanding what it, co understanding what it cost him says, you know what, whatever you want me to do, Whatever you call, you, you've called me to go, whatever you want me to say, whatever you want me to be, can never be compared to what it cost you. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. Do you realize you can walk out this door 
and never breathe again. Do you realize you can get in your car and we'll never see you again? Do you realize you can lay your head on your pillow tonight and never wake up again? Do you realize today, church, that your departure is near? See, our older men and women understand that, right? Let me give you an example. The older you get, you don't care if you match. You just put clothes on. Right? The older you get, you don't even care what you say. It's like, I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to tell you what's on my mind, right? You, you, you understand what I'm saying. The older you get, it's like, you know what? Ah, I don't even care about this anymore. Oh, you know what? Let's just spend it all. Why? It's because it's something about someone who is older who understands that I am closer there than I am here. But because of the cost of Jesus Christ, we must become people who understand that even if I have, I think, presumably, I have more time here, I really don't live as though that I have time here. But I understand that I'm really on his economy, his time frame, that I'm closer there than I am here. No matter what my age is, I am closer there than I am here. Because at any moment, my departure is near. So therefore, I fought the good fight. I finished the course. I've kept the faith. No matter where you are in age, it's not done with you yet. As long as you, as long as you still have breath, it's not done with you. But your choice is this. Will I finish well? And if no matter your age, if you could just focus on the cost of Christ, Man, he'll give you that endurance. He'll give you that sharpness. He'll give you that vitality, that courage, everything that you need to finish well. And if you focus on Christ and you're on the younger scale, listen, at the end of the day, guess what he will do? He will also keep you focused with endurance and passion and strength and creativity to finish well. He needs everybody in this room to communicate the transforming gospel of Jesus Christ throughout all generations. Amen?